Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. We're going to be working through, uh, with, uh, forgive me for my little Britishisms, they say one John in England. Um, we're going to be looking through uh, 1 John, and um, we'll be in chapter 2, uh, verses 15 through 23. So if you can kind of think about, um, think of kind of John as a bit of an old man. This is kind of towards the end of his life, and he's, he's writing these letters to this these group of churches, and kind of the overarching message is that he wants them to have joy and assurance in the love of God. And I don't know if you're a bit threadbare after COVID and after the politics and maybe even after some personal tragedy of maybe losing someone, but man, joy and assurance, yeah, I could go for some of that. And so uh, uh, this has been such an encouragement to me, and so we're going to kind of, the talks that we'll walk through is Tonight will be love's competitor, number two will be love's poison, number three will be love's power, and then on Sunday, love's posture. So love's competitor, love's poison, love's power, and love's posture. And tonight we'll talk about love's uh, competitor. Um, I don't know for for you all, but a couple years ago, my father passed away, and we had a bit of a... uh, we had a kind of a contentious and a loving relationship, but I miss, I miss having kind of an older man who cares about me in my life kind of speaking into me. And First John has been a bit like that for me. It's been this place where this guy's got nothing to prove. <laughs> he is, as the Bible said, the disciple that Jesus loves. And he has nothing to lose. And so many times throughout this, throughout this uh, letter, he calls, the, he calls the, the hearer, dear children. Like, it's sort of, as a grown man, to hear somebody say, dear children, it's like, uh, but if you, can just, if you can just hold it in your head, that he doesn't care what you think, because <laughs> he's old. That's how old people talk. And they're all your kids, my sons, dear children. And this was written that, that you might have joy and assurance. And so my, my hope and really my prayer for you this weekend is that, that the love of God would give you real joy and real assurance. So I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, First um, uh, John 15 uh, through 23. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, or the pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires. Whatever does the will of God abides forever. Children, this is the last hour. 
And as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. And I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. And no one denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let me pray for us, men. <coughs> Father in heaven, we're, we're all here. And we all got a lot of needs. And we got a lot of tangled conflict. And we got a lot of problems. And we have, we have so many things that we have that we need help. And so we pray that you would send the Holy Ghost. That you would send your Spirit the likes of us, that he might give us joy and assurance. Man, we just need it, so please help us. Help us to be far out on a limb, that if you don't hold us, if you don't keep us there, we're not going to make it. So we pray you would help, and we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> in my context, as, as Dan was saying, um, uh, the London that I live in is not like uh, English, uh, the the queen and the tea. Um, uh, there's about 200,000 South Asians in our neighborhood, and they're all, almost all of them are Hindu. And that's the neighborhood of where our church uh, lives. And so we don't have, uh, we can't do um, bacon outreaches because of the Muslims, and we can't do uh, turkey on Thanksgiving because the Hindus, and we can't do gummy bears, which I learned have gelatin in them, which has pork in them, so you can't give out in Sunday school. So there's a lot of things that we can't do. But we know we can do Indian stick nights, Indian stick dancing nights. So if you want to come to a really amazing Indian stick dance, we've got hundreds of people that will come to our church. But people wanted to follow Jesus, not as many. But the great thing about Hindus is if you tell them about Jesus, they're like, come on over. we got lots of gods. Like, we'll throw one up there. Like, you can include one of those as well. And uh, a woman was just giving a testimony at our church recently because one of our, 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 uh, two of our South Asian pastors or elders are stepping down and she stood up with tears in her eyes. And she said, I remember. I remember when Deepak Bhai helped me get all the idols out of my house. And she was crying. Because it's so hard to do that. Because for idols, you get up in the morning and you get on your knees right at the door or right in your living room and you pray and you worship that idol. And you need the church. Like you need other people to come in. It's almost like this rite of passage when someone is coming to faith. And generally it takes them to have, they have to be in the church for some years oftentimes before they would get to this point. But it's just kind of this magical thing of... I'm finally getting the idol out of my house. And maybe just to drive the point home a little bit, just to kind of imagine Dan Jackson asking you to not have a phone for 24 hours. It's not that different. Because it's what we go to for help. It's what we go to to frame our lives around it. 
But just imagine if one of these monkey idols, <clears throat> so we, we're friends with like the Hindu priests, and so we'll go by and hang out with the Hindu priests every now and then. And <clears throat> there's one that's a monkey. But just imagine you're getting this monkey out of someone's house, and, and it becomes a life. And it sort of just starts monkeying and comes over to the person and sticks a chip in their ear. And that chip in their ear makes them believe lies. What would be more dangerous? The idol or the monkey with the chip? <laughs> It'd be the monkey with the chip, right? Well, in John, it says that the world is like this monkey that comes up to you and sticks this thing in your ear and it teaches you to believe lies. It's dangerous. And lest you just believe that a foreign missionary is coming over here to do fear-mongering, so the question is what, is, what, what, what would it be like? What is so dangerous about the world that's going to take something from you? Well, the way that I'll sort of frame the, as the passage is structured, the world exploits our shallow desires. It gives us friends that we don't want, and it loosens our grip on the truth. It exploits our shallow desires. It gives us friends we don't want, and it loosens our grip on the truth. So number one, it exploits our shallow desires. And for those of you who have been in the church maybe for some time, you may know this John 3.16 for God so loved the world. And then John, the same guy, is saying, don't love the world. And you're like, well, I mean, God loves the world. <laughs> but the thing is, is that God has this like purity and kindness and innocence and care. So when he sticks his hands in the gum, it doesn't stick. <laughs> but me and Dan... Yeah, when, we, when we stick our hand into the world, it sticks. And that's why he says that you can't love the world and have love for the Father. It seems so black and white. It seems so, but it's actually quite helpful. Because the world, they exploit our shallow desires. Over and over in the Bible, it says that, that there's something about the world that what it does to us without our consent is like a chip smushed in our ears. In 2 Timothy 4.10, it says, For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In James 4.4, 4, it says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And why is friendship with the world so damaging? In 1 John 5.19, it says, The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It exploits you. But what about it is so exploitative? Exploitative. In verse 16, it goes on to say, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the, one version says the pride of life or the pride in possessions. So now we don't, I don't really use the, the term the desires of the flesh very often in my everyday vocabulary. I don't know if you do. But you can kind of think of it, the desires of the flesh, oftentimes the flesh are like, it's kind of like the worst part of you. You can sort of think of it as the cravings of your sinful nature, or like your bad habits. You know, have you ever had like a craving for a donut? And then there was a donut right there? Or like 12 donuts right there? It's this craving that's very, very powerful. Instead of just the desire of the eyes, think about the things that you can see. They are by nature shallow. They are by nature shallow. 
So the world offers you to exploit your, your quick craving, exploit something that you see, and then this pride of possessions or the pride of life. These things that if we buy them, they make us important, right? How many, have, how many in here have bought something recently <laughs> that has made you feel important for about 12 seconds? Right? This is what the world has to offer because it uses these very shallow desires that we have and it exploits them. It uses you. It sticks a chip in your ear. It sticks a chip in your ear because your desires are better than that. They're deeper than that. And they're more important than that. Because oftentimes, you know, you can't, talk, you can't go to a men's retreat without talking about sex, right? So I have to just bring it up for now. Like there's this desire for sex and sexuality that men will have. And we sort of think of it as something that might be wrong. But God has made you in his image. And that we are to take those desires, what might be shallow desires that we have, and not give them to someone that's going to lie to us and betray us and exploit us with our desires, but give it to a shepherd that can deepen it and fulfill it. This is why it's such good news. Like, it's so great to follow Jesus because he, he sees these shallow desires that we have and he gives us more it says in this passage, but whoever abides by the will of God, or, sorry, whoever does the will of God abides forever. Don't you want to give yourself to something that's going to last forever and not be exploited? Some, someone has sort of walked through this passage with the eyes of Eve, that Eve's temptation was craving the sinful self for taste of the fruit and the desires of the eyes of stimulating her to covet that which was forbidden in the pride of life, getting that it would make her like God. It would make her like God. But, but some of us know this, right? Like we've, some of us have been around uh, the teachings about Jesus maybe for a while to be like, yeah, that's true, but... I mean, it's true, but... It's, it's kind of like when I was talking to my chef friend and uh, he was just pounding this pizza. And I was like, I thought this guy was gluten intolerant. And his, and, and, and his wife said, yeah, it's going to ruin him tomorrow. Like, we know. <laughs> There's something about it we know, and yet we need something more. We need something more. It, it, we have these desires for things that might feel shallow at time, but the love of the Father is waiting for us. So I want you to just hold that desire that you have. I really want sex. I really want something that I see shallow. I really want to buy something to make you feel important. And I want to encourage you to go to Jesus and say, make me important. Give me something that the world cannot offer. Because, I mean, let's get specific here. If, if you are bored and you are craving and it moves to desire and it moves to longing... Or what's that great C.S. Lewis quote, that if, if you have desires that generally are not being satiated in this world, maybe you were made for another one. That there is inherent dignity in the desires that you have, and the world is not strong enough to hold them. It's not strong enough to hold them. And friends, as, as you think about moving forward to if if you might just be someone, maybe for the first time here, 
Maybe, maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe this is just a time that when you're alone in your room tonight and you're having a desire for whatever, you might just hold it and let Jesus deepen it and let him satiate your longing. This is the invitation of God. It's better than the world. And second, <clears throat> it is not just our desires that are exploited by the world. Loving God gives us friends that we don't want. In verse 18, it says, children, it is the last hour. And this is one of my, one of my favorite parts of, this, of, of John, because uh, a lot of other authors don't use this. It's the last hour. And now for those of you who are like end times people, you get really excited. But if you can just hold on to this idea, it's the last hour. Like I can do anything to hold out for an hour. When are we going to eat, Dan? It's an hour. Okay, I can wait. Like, how long do I have to hold this? Ah, uh, just an hour. It's the last hour. It says, friends, this is the last hour. And as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. Friends, we've had one of the unique temptations. Let me talk to the people that don't follow Jesus. There is a unique temptation for people that, are, that have left the church. Some people might refer to it as deconstructed from the Christian faith. There's a unique temptation that people will follow them. But they went out of us. They went from, out from us because they weren't of us. And these are the people that grew up in the Sunday school. These are people that, that are from the grassroots up and they have left. And we could sort of think, oh, it's the liberals. It's the woke of the world drawing them out. No, no, th- these, are, these, are the, these are the kids from the church. These are the people that, that are a part of this, that are a part of the family of God that have left. This is, this is not a, a new phenomenon that people would deconstruct from faith. But like TikTok influencers, they are pulling people with them. You see, if someone is pulling you away from the love of God, that this amazing, that he won't just exploit your desires, but that he will fulfill you. These are friends that we don't want. Now, do we want friends that don't follow Jesus? Of course. If you don't follow Jesus here, you are welcome. But it is normative to have tempting voices outside of the church calling you to forsake God. Throughout the Bible, it says this. In, in, in 1 Timothy 4, it says there are deceitful spirits. Scoffers will come in the last days. False messiahs or false prophets. Men speaking twisted things. This signifies the last days. Uh, he calls them antichrists. These people that are leading us away from the gospel. And I, I want to encourage you that th- those that are leading away are not leading to Jesus because Christ is the head of the church and leaving the community of faith puts you as head of the church. And the church is a part of the good news. The church is actually a part of the good news of God because he doesn't just come to us and reach us out of darkness so that we can just read our Bibles by ourselves. So that we can just pray with ourselves. It's difficult for us to come together, right? But God says that he has chosen the community of God, the community of the church, as a part of the good news. And in our context, 
People are literally leaving their families. And the most difficult thing for them to do is they have to start trusting that this church is going to get, take care of them when they get sick and when their parents die. And when they struggle to get up in the morning, they're going to need this new community. And friends, I want to encourage you that Jesus is offering not only to deepen and fulfill your desires, he's, he's, he's going to give you a new group of people that you can trust. And so if you haven't shared in this community with these men, with these brothers, if they don't feel like brothers yet, I want to encourage you to give away some of that trust, to give away some of that love. I don't, I don't know uh, for you, but there's something about having in your life those people that are saying, don't listen to the chip. Don't listen to the world because it's moving you into a place that cannot satisfy you, that cannot satisfy your soul. The world offers us friends that we don't want, exploits our good desires, and it loosens our grip on the truth. Now, verse 20 says, uh, verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you, will ha- and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is in the truth. Because no lie is in the truth. We oftentimes think of ourselves that we can listen to whoever we want on YouTube. We can listen to whatever podcast that we want. We can go under the discipleship of all of our favorite uh, news people and that we won't be changed by them. That's what we think, right? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like the influences that we have in our life, it doesn't matter, but in fact, it actually loosens our grip on the truth. Because it's very difficult for us to live under a teaching consistently. If you're anything like me, you consume a lot of content. You listen to a lot of things. You watch a lot of things. You read a lot of things. But what John is saying is that it loosens our grip on the truth. That it loosens our grip on the truth. And, And for those of you who are really, really Republican, have you ever met someone that's like really, really Republican? Or like super Democrat? Or really into X, Y, or Z, as they say in Britain. But like they're really into this one thing. I want to just warn you, brothers, that those things can actually begin to change you without your consent. It can loosen your grip on the truth. But this great verse in verse 20, it says, But you have been anointed with the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. And this, this, this anointing is like, just kind of think of yourself, like if I had a couple pitchers of oil and I just sort of dumped them on Jason's head. This is, the, this is what the picture is like. It's that, he, that the Holy Spirit is like an anointing on top of you to give you real knowledge. It's like what he does. He gives real, like he, he will pour, he'll be poured out on you. And you can have the truth. You can have this real truth in your life that can actually begin to change you. We have a, a guy in our, in our world who's uh, coming from a Muslim background. And uh, he's just, he's, he's great. He's been, he comes to our church. He's probably come to our church consistently for seven years. And he will consistently say, I have no interest in Jesus. <laughs> and now he's coming to Bible study every week as well. 
which is just great, you know? And you, but you know what he, you know what he had? He, all of the desires in his life felt like they were being exploited by the world. And he had friends that kept betraying him. And he was so confused that he just didn't, he didn't know what the truth was anymore. And uh, he, he, came, he came and he said, I have friends here that care about me. And after seven years, he said a prayer during a Bible study. <laughs> and he went around to the whole church and he told them, listen, I did a prayer during a Bible study. Hey, have you heard that I did a prayer during a Bible study? And I was like, I've heard it four times. And he's like, let me find somebody else then who hasn't heard it in ten minutes. And he's like, I have done a prayer in a Bible study. I did a prayer in a Bible study. And because he has been offered the, what the world has to offer that has ex- exploited his desires, that has given him friends that he doesn't want, and then he, was so, he has been so loosened to his grip on the truth that he has been totally lost. And he's moving towards little by little. And my, my encouragement to you is maybe you might do a prayer now. You can tell me. Like you can tell Pastor Dan, you can tell somebody else that you're just beginning to take the offer of Jesus. That to fulfill your deepest longings, to give you a community of men and a community of faith that love you back and that you might have a grip on the truth. Friends, the, the offer of the world is too shallow for you. You know all that you did to get you here? All the sacrifices that you make on a regular basis? The world is unworthy of your affection. But Jesus is the only hug that will hug you back. And He will do it, He says, forever. Forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you offer something better to us. We pray that you give us the courage. We pray that you give us the knowledge that you would anoint us with the Holy Spirit, that we might see how good your offer is. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Um, all right, a, a couple things here. Um, let me just find my place. So here's kind of what goes next tonight is that we will have 